All right, Justin, I need you to not sing for this movie. <laughs> oh, that's messed up, man. I know that your powers of pretension. Well, that song's not weird. in this movie, so you, that doesn't count. Oh. Yep. I thought and we said we wanted him to sing that next time. Okay, I'll shut up now. I wanted to I wanted to subvert expectations by not oh. having him sing songs from the 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 movie that it is probably, you know, most logical for him to sing. Got it. <laughs> because if you guys have not heard yet or figured out yet, hey Sin fans, welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. We are talking about the movie Lion King, the 2019 quote unquote live action remake of the animated Disney classic. And we are going to include in this episode, no singing of the songs from Jastin. (laughs) I mean, I guess he can sing during his time. That's fine. That's whatever. Because we're going to talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between when it comes to said Lion King 2019 remake and we are going to start this one off with heather instead of justin because i want to make him wait a little longer heather what did you like about lion king okay well i mean the first thing i think of just because from the very first scene of the movie it's beautiful scenery and background it's very visually incredible uh no matter what part of the movie it's in, even the dark shadowy parts, they're never supposed to go to. We're still very captivating. So I think consistently throughout the movie, every scene, um, like every, every landscape and every, every part of the land that they were in was very beautiful. So that was, that was a really standout thing for me in this movie. It did a fine job, I would say of, um, you know, doing taking me back to the original with how shot for shot they recreated a lot of the scenes. They pretty much looked exactly the same, and I respect the effort they went to with that. There's some of the other side for for me on this too with that, but it's hard to deny how well they recreated them, whether you're a fan of that or not. So, um, you know, I give them respect for that. I think obviously the singing was, of course, really good. I mean, you have a jam-packed cast of talented singers, so I figured that that part I would enjoy anyway. But you know, they um, they they did a little bit of a, a more modern take on most of the songs, and the singing talent in the movie in general was better in this one, I would say, for the most part. Um, a little bit more probably on that end of it too, but uh, or on the other end of it. But yeah, I mean, I would say those are those are probably the main things I did enjoy about it. I will say um, I'm probably going to mess up his name because I do it every time. But Chiwetel Ejiofor, is that right? Ejiofor, um, who that sounds right. Yeah, who played Scar. He was probably the most standout performance for me in this. He just acted his heart out, even in this when you can't even see him. Like just every line he spoke, you felt like it had a little bit more conviction in it than a lot of the other characters. And for whatever reason, I just, um, I just really, uh, I, his performance just stood out above the others for me. And honestly, I don't know why, but John Oliver as Zazu was another standout for me. I think that one's maybe more because he seemed like he switched up the lines a little bit or how he spoke them um, more just kind of in his own way and how he would actually say them as opposed to just trying to recreate how it was done before. So um, I don't know why, but I just I really enjoyed Zazu in this film actually a little bit more than I did in the original. Just I think maybe he was a little bit less irritating. (laughs) 
and more, he was just more likable in general. So I did enjoy how they kind of switched up a little bit his character. Yeah, I mean, that character, not much, but just the way they portrayed him in this movie, I liked it a little bit better. Um, yeah, I mean, that for me, I mean, what, what else can you really say? I mean, it's, it's a pretty standard, um, remake of a classic film. So for me, that would be honestly the, the things that, it out as likes for me all right justin your turn what'd you like about lion king what did i like okay so uh with this movie um i I did have the opportunity to watch the the 1994 uh cartoon just before i watched this one so i was fresh off of that i wanted to be able to compare and contrast as best as possible for our recording of this. So I, I had the pleasure of doing that. And I think that um, in doing that, there were just a lot of things that I spotted that, that were differences. And then some, certain things I noticed were just pretty much carbon copies of what we all remember from the, the, the cartoon. I mean, as far as the likes, I'm going to mirror something that Heather said about just the overall look of the film. First of all, the film looks beautiful. I mean, it, 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 every character, every lion, every bird, everything just looks so real. And I mean, I mean, it's almost like you were watching some something on National Geographic, the way how lifelike everything moves, how great everything looks. I mean, the the, the savannah just looked amazing. The the opening scene was excellent like seeing the 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 opening scene of the scene of the lion king with all these real animals and no words are spoken and you're just hearing the music and um i, I don't know who sang that song but i like kind of the uh you know the 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 it was it seemed more african than the original one did and i like that i like that they put more of that um this singer had more of an african voice and more of an african accent and i think that that did add uh to that scene and that and that first scene really is breathtaking um with all the real animals and then bowing down to simba as we do this ceremony showing that he's going to be the next lion king and everything and i really just enjoyed all of that and initially that when it started i was like wow man that was a great um rendition of the original and and, you know and that made me happy and i was like man i think i'm in for a treat with this movie i think that maybe this they're gonna pull this off they're gonna nail this um and and, and as the movie went on there are some voice actors and people that i think are commendable in this um heather already mentioned Shawedal Edgefer, and that's true. He was great, I thought, as Scar. He sounded intimidating. He uh, he spoke with such diction and uh, and and everything that he said, it sounded like it meant something. Everything that um, anytime he was on screen, y- you could just hear that he was menacing and, and everything like that. So I really do appreciate the voice work that Edgefer did in this. I mean, it definitely kind of reminded me of the the voice work that I want to say Idris Elba did in the the Jungle Book with Shere Khan. It was that same kind of thing. Like uh, Scar just 
resonated and he sounded menacing and he sounded intimidating. So I really did appreciate that. But honestly, two standout voice actors in this were me. For me, were definitely Seth Rogen as Pumbaa. And um, Billy Eichner, yes, Billy Eichner as Timon. Man, those two guys, I think, really brought it. I, I really think that in this movie, if there is anything that you could argue was better done than the original film, I really think that it was this Pumbaa and Timon tandem. They got a lot more scenes in this, and, and, and some people can argue whether they like that more or not, but I felt like they got more to do here. They got to explain there. We got to hear their story a little bit more. And Seth Rogen really was just perfect as Pumbaa. And Billy just did a great job as Timon. And their voice work, their back and forth, they just had a real chemistry that felt authentic to what we remembered from the cartoon. So I really appreciated them. A lot of funny scenes, a lot of awkward moments where they're trying to get Simba to understand something. And the way the actors came off or the way that they would say a line was just perfect to me. So I really think that those two really captured the essence of what the original cartoon was about. Some of the jokes that they were that 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 they were involved with, I laughed at and things like that. And I just really enjoyed those two. When the movie got to them, I really feel like it stepped up a notch because they were definitely two of the the, the standout uh, voice actors may even argue that they stole the movie. I really thought that they kind of stole a lot of scenes with their voice work. So uh, bravo to those two. Um, um, other than that, I think those would be the things that I really enjoyed most about it. Just um, just the, the graphics I thought were amazing. Oh, and then another scene that was just breathtaking to look at the wildebeest uh, run down in the in the canyon. Um, where that, that leads into Mufasa's death, that wildebeest scene was, it was pretty amazing seeing what looked like actual wildebeest run and do that. So, uh, the, just a lot of great, great imagery and scenery in this film for sure. And, and that'll definitely wrap up my likes for this film. I mean, not to completely parrot you guys. But yes, of course, the special effects are amazing. And it's very understandable if you've seen this movie or anything like that, or even just seen a commercial for this movie, that all three of us have stated that because by far that is the biggest achievement this movie did is legitimately make them all look like real animals. Uh, at no point was I like ever thinking like, oh, these aren't real animals. Like they do a very, very good job of making everything so real with the textures of the fur and everything like that. And like, even to the small things, like there are times that there are like flies just kind of flying around them. And, you know, it's just the, these little, little details that they really add to everything that are just so fantastic. And, and I'm right there with you, Justin, when it comes to Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner as Timon and Pumbaa, they were like hands down my, the, my favorite vocal performances in this movie. Yeah, I can stand behind that. They really stole so much, even when it was just like small changes to the jokes yes. and stuff that they did, you know, because if my understanding's right, they kind of just ad-libbed a lot of stuff as those characters. <laughs> That's awesome. And they just kind of made it work. And 
Yeah, it was just so fantastic. And there were so many changes they did with their stuff. Like it was a very small scene, but I really appreciated it. Then whatever they the song they used to distract the hyenas towards the end, where instead of it being like the whole like, oh, look, it's a, you know, a nice, juicy, fat pig come and eat him. It, you know, Timon starts singing uh, Be Our Guest from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. That was cool. That was a cool homage. Yeah. And, you know, and then and, and then Seth Rogen's Pumbaa starts, uh, you know, whenever he attacks the hyenas, it's because they fat shamed him and he doesn't like bullies. So he goes and attacks them all. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciated that those were kind of very modern takes on those and on those moments. And they were just in, like they they're drastically different from the original but at the same time they still felt tonally the same as the cartoon with those stuff those things i also really liked uh um florence kasumba as shinzi the the leader of the hyenas mm-hmm. um i do think that that was an improvement over Whoopi goldberg because what m- most people might not realize that uh hyenas are a matriarchal uh animal you know the females are the leaders in their in their groups and so like having Shinzi be like that domineering and in, in, in that powerful really resonated more um, to actually how hyenas are. Um, and I really liked that because they really showed her as the hyena equivalent of Mufasa in this because she was the leader of the hyenas like hands down like you know when Mufasa was addressing the hyenas he's really just addressing Shinzi yeah and that's you know and I really appreciated that detail with it um another really big like I had uh that kind of ties into one that Justin said was just how beautiful uh Mufasa's death scene was because the animated version of that is already one of my favorite scenes in in movie history you know (laughs) when you see the tyrant that is Mufasa die is a really glorious moment and seeing it done in this way, um, looking more like the, you know, real lions and everything like that. It added a really beautiful and sweet touch to it because it felt more real. Like it felt more real that the spirit of the just horrible creature that Mufasa was dying just felt more real. You had to throw it in there. And more beautiful. You had to do it. Well, this is the like section, and I truly enjoyed it. There really is one of my favorite scenes in cinema history, and it's just even better now because it looked like a real lion dying. So I got more satisfaction out of him dying in this one than I did the animated one. It just was a really glorious thing for me. Like, I really kind of wish I could just go on YouTube and watch in a loop Mufasa dying over and over again. I'm sure you can somewhere. Well, no, I'm talking about from this movie. I know Uh, I can from the animated one, but I'm talking about from this one. Like, I want them back to back. I want the animated in this one back to back just on a constant loop. (laughs) Because it truly was one of my favorite scenes. I loved every second of him dying again. And it brought a tear to my eye. Like most other people in the movie theater, I had a tear in my eye too. Because I was just so damn happy that he was dying again. And I got to experience it. Wow. You know, and I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that's ever listened uh, to the first episode of this podcast. And I will go further into it. So if you're a little lost or confused right now and thinking... How could anybody be happy Mufasa died? How could be any, anybody be happy that Mufasa was ever alive is what I say. And I will get more into that because I do have some more qualms when it comes to the pro-lion propaganda that this movie shoves down our throats 
undeservedly so. And we'll touch on that in the next section. Um, so any other likes real quick, guys, before we move on? I do want to add, I do agree about Simone and Pumbaa. I think I kind of already just expected that they were going to be good in it. And maybe that's why I didn't specifically mention them. I think I was just a little bit more, um, I don't know, I guess maybe just more pleasantly surprised with the two that I mentioned. But um, but yeah, Timon and Pumbaa definitely were the the most enjoyable part of the whole movie as a whole. So I agree with that. And I guess the last thing I'll say just about them is you mentioned that scene where they were trying to distract the hyenas and they use the be our guest from uh beauty and the beast and I, I think that was one of those situations where that was a good change like there are there now there are bad changes which i mean we're about to i'm sure about to get into dislikes but that was one that i think was better because in the original 1994 when just to kind of explain it the way it all kind of went down was they were coming up with a plan and timon goes well what do you want me to do dress up and drag and do the hula and so that's how that scene starts. And then it cuts. You don't get an answer from anyone. No, everybody just kind of looks at Timon when he says that. And then it cuts and he's in drag doing the hula. So I could see how with today's political climate, you probably don't want him being like, oh, I'm going to dress in drag. So I think yeah. maybe this was a better decision maybe to have that change. So th this was that. So I'm just because you brought that up and made me think about that. I think that is one of the few examples in this film where they changed something and it's still, like you said, captured the essence, but a little bit better for today's times for sure. Yeah. And I mean, and I liked that scene leading up to it too, where they're all kind of just sitting around, like we need a distraction and they all just start staring at Pumbaa. <laughs> and he's like, uh, and he's just like what? what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I did. Yeah. I also liked when, um, you know, they're doing the iconic Hakuna Matata song. And then they start like at the end joking about Simba riffing, <laughs> riffing this song. You're like, oh, he's riffing now. <laughs> like it's it's fun little ad lib stuff, which makes it feel more organic, I suppose, or genuine. So I yeah, I do appreciate that their characters did that more than the others did. Yeah. And then, they were, you know, and also with the whole scene when they're like, oh, now he's riffing on it. Like when they were just talking about like, yeah, we've been doing this for years now because you're grown up. <laughs> yeah. Can we stop? Right. Like, I just thought that was a nice little joke just based on the, you know, the scene because they did like a shot for shot remake of the same scene of them walking across the log and Simba growing up, you know, while they walk across the log, all singing that song, all the way to he's an adult now singing that song, you know, and stuff like that. And I like that they comment on it, like, all right, we can take a break on this song right. now. I just thought, yeah, it was, it was nice little touches like that, that I that I think that their characters got that a lot of the other ones didn't. And so those moments felt, they felt fresh and they felt better than yeah. I, I would say, than a lot of the other scenes in the movie did. Yeah. Because they were the ones that got the most changes. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like in a lot of ways that those were the two that got to make the characters more their own than any of the other ones. And Which I get, in, yeah. And, that, and, you know, and it's maybe, and who knows, maybe if the other actors got to do a little more of that, maybe this is way better than a lot of people thought it, it, it was going to be or better than a lot of people um, left the theater uh, thinking that it was, you know, perhaps the quality of this would have jumped several points 
if the other actors had gotten to do that. So, uh, so it definitely, like you said, it just definitely stands out in this film what those two got to do with their characters. Yeah, which to be fair, I mean, I guess it, it's probably easier for them to just let them do their thing because their characters are supposed to be goofy and funny and things like that. And so it's, and plus, I mean, Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen are just super funny in general. So, I mean, I would trust them to just ad lib and make it funny no matter what. But I guess it's, it's, they have more freedom in general being those characters because it is those just subtle, funny things that they do anyway that makes it, you know, like you can't really do that with a scarred type character or anything like that because there's a specific purpose for what their character is and why they're that way and so it would it would be harder for the others to ad lib it's definitely still possible to be able to make it a little bit more their own but it's just it's nice to i guess that's the fun thing about being those two characters because they have the freedom to do that and it works because it's supposed to work like that you know so it's a good point yeah which i guess will be a good spinoff for me to go into my dislikes because I mean, I guess first and I don't want to say first and foremost, but the first thing I'd like to bring up is how much of the, the cast of this movie was essentially wasted. Like so fucking hardcore. Like, was there any purpose for adult Simba being Donald Glover other than they wanted the name Donald Glover on this movie? Like I, at no point did he do anything that sounded or, felt overtly Donald Glovery. I mean, was there really any purpose of Beyonce playing Nala? Like they even added scenes for Nala in this movie and there's still zero point for it to be Beyonce other than they wanted to ensure Beyonce was on the soundtrack, which if they paid her enough money, she would have done anyway. <laughs> but no, they just wanted to shove these things down her throat. Like just so much of it felt so wasted. Because of the nature of this movie, like adult Simba and adult Nala are not in this movie for very long because of the way the story is. So why does it matter that it's Donald Glover and Beyonce? Because they sure as fuck didn't do anything that mattered for them. <laughs> I mean, they still could have had just two random fucking people do those voices and still had a Donald Glover, Beyonce sing, um, you know, can you feel the love tonight? Yeah. They still could have done that. You know, it just, it didn't need to be them. And I... And I felt bad because I love Don Glover. I love Beyonce. And then I left the theater going, they didn't matter at all, you know. And like whenever you have uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Eric Andre play uh, Kamari and Azizi, the two other hi uh, main hyenas, like it didn't feel like they got the same treatment as Timon and Pumbaa did. Of Like, yeah, they had a lot of different lines than they had in the than the cartoon, but I, it didn't feel like they had as much freedom. And those are two very funny people that could that have just backgrounds in improv. And it didn't feel like they had the same freedoms that Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner did. So their characters could have shown so much and truly been these unique characters. And I just felt like they were fucking like had their hands tied behind their back with it, with their stuff. Like there were glimpses of it there. There were, there were times where they would get right on the cusp of like what would feel like a, a special or a funny moment. And they just never quite got there. And I just, I have a hard time feeling based on what I have seen and heard these guys do in the past, that it was them that hampered themselves, which goes into another big thing for me because I feel like they were hampered because this movie obviously had an agenda. So, of course, they hampered what would be considered the quote-unquote villains of this movie 
when if you really look at it guys and you really think about it the hyenas are not the villains of this movie no 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 it's obviously the lions this movie is nothing but propaganda for essentially what would be the status quo keeping things in check and holding down what would they consider the lesser beings and i thought this movie might fix or at least at least readdress some of the errors of the same type of portrayal that the first movie did. And I really thought that that's where they were going to go because at the beginning of the movie, Scar has a very, has a, a, a monologue that's a lot longer whenever he uh, catches the mouse. His monologue is a lot longer and a lot more like, uh, I don't want to say introspective, but a lot more, uh, shows more perspective of Scar in this because he's talking about, you know, being low on the totem pole and, you know, just having to eat off scraps and 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 constantly being hungry and you know never getting like your real share of anything no matter what you do all because society says that that's the way it is because that's how lion you know prides work and so i really thought they were really going to address that in this movie that you know the hyenas their whole motivation for wanting to take over the pride land is just because they've been ostracized from it and all they want is some food and I really thought we were going to get that angle on the hyenas in this movie, that they were really going to address that it's not necessarily that they're evil or that they're bad. It's just because they don't have the food. All they want is the basic building blocks of life. That's all they want. And of course, they this movie then actually makes the whole scenario worse because now this movie is making the have-nots like it's blaming them for not having anything even more so but because they're just like oh hyenas you know their belly's never full like oh well of course the hyenas want more food because you know they're just always hungry anyway you know like hyenas are like that is the most degrading shit ever when it comes to that type of message and this movie really goes even further and worse with it all so much so that like they showed in the animated version of the lion king that the hyenas taking over the pride land everything got like all dark and bleak it was like a th thematic thing in the animated one in this one they legitimately say that the hyenas just ate too much of the of the animals so somehow that makes all the grass die and the water go away are you fucking serious are you gonna say if there's less antelope that means that there's less grass and water leaves and it's also less sunny because antelopes aren't around anymore what kind of fucking propaganda ass bullshit is that because that is just bonkers logic and i understand that if they kind of just kept it thematically and just kind of shown it through tone and colors like they did in the animated movie i wouldn't i would have less of a problem with it in this movie but they went out of their way to directly state that the hyenas are why water is not there anymore. So you're taking one of the African savanna creatures that actually uses less water than most other creatures on the savanna. And somehow, because they exist in an area, water goes away. Fuck that bullshit. And on top of that also... Mufasa rolls up into this the, the Shadowlands, into the elephant graveyard. And there's the the pack of hyenas in this is way bigger. At least what they show more constantly is way bigger than it was in the animated movie. Not necessarily during the whole Be Prepared song, because then all of a sudden there's like thousands of hyenas in the Be Prepared song, and then they all go away again. Whatever. 
but there's a lot more hyenas in this. A lone lion going into a hyena den like that would be murdered instantly, would not stand a chance because that's how hyenas fight. And also hyenas have stupid strong bite strength. They can break a hyena femur with their bite. And you're telling me whenever they sink their teeth into Mufasa, which they do, it just show them get some teeth in him a little bit that he can just shrug it off. No, that's not how it works. Now, like three hyenas versus a lion. Yeah, the lion's actually probably going to win that. But there's easily a dozen hyenas. And you can go on YouTube and watch a dozen hyenas take down a fucking lion because they do that shit. Now, it, it, it does sound like I might have a pro hyena bias myself, which I do. I won't hide that. I think hyenas are the most beautiful creatures that have ever existed. I love them. I hope to own some someday. But even without that, when you look at the actual biases and agendas that this movie constantly tries to put forth, it even goes above and beyond the overall thematic elements that this movie is to just shove that agenda down your throat. Because I really do believe in this movie, it actually takes the already troublesome narrative of The Lion King and does up it even more so into a very classist type of argument that it's the poor's fault they're poor because they just want too much in life if they were just willing to accept that they just don't have as much as anybody else and they never will they'll just be happier you know we can't have them wanting more than the, the lot in life that we have just said they should have i actually truly believe that that is a huge problematic message in this movie that i could not move past at all that i i do feel is even worse than the original version of this movie and it feels intentional because all the lion king is is a modified version of hamlet that's all it is is a tweaked animal version of hamlet so there's no need for them to go that far with those messages because that's not a part of hamlet but they do and even more so in this movie and honestly i will never forgive this movie for actually going that far with it i already thought it was going to be garbage with its pro-lion propaganda but it goes worse in this movie and that is why i 100 love it when mufasa dies because i truly see him as a tyrant or a dictator you know just keeping the status quo or having to keep the poor animals down and in their place because to him no matter what the lion is the, the top of the food chain you, you, you can't have any competition you know there's really no other predators running around it just shows some cheetahs here and there you know whenever they're doing the very lackluster and just kind of anticlimactic i just can't wait to be king thing you know you see some cheetahs but you know the cheetahs know their place so apparently you know mufasa is okay with them but you know god forbid you have you know an animal want more than what they have because then they're automatically villainized and just you know shoved down and oppressed like the hyenas are in this movie feel like i'm going to keep going for like another 30 minutes on a midsummer-esque rant if i keep going on this justin what did you not like about this lion king wow um okay so uh man uh <laughs> i definitely don't see the lion king the same way that you do but uh but but, but some of that stuff um you definitely can make some arguments of that some of that um is definitely interesting it definitely worth uh talking about um and debating about but 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 as far as the film itself and just what the in the confines of that 
and how it compares to the original and what this film tried to do. Uh, I kind of hinted at it when we were talking about the whole thing with Pumbaa and Timon and kind of the freedom that they got and how they kind of got to breathe a little and kind of just be these characters and do more improv and stuff like that. And I feel like because they got to do that, that was one of the standout things about the movie. I also think about other remakes where other voice actors got the opportunity to do this. Jungle Book keeps coming to mind, and and I may actually revisit Jungle Book during this a lot, just because Jungle Book is the example to me of how to do this correctly. Like, Like Jungle Book... It not only added things to the the narrative of the original cartoon Jungle Book to make things better, but all of the voice actors, I felt, got to do more here. They, they, they got to do more in that film. It wasn't just having to nail these lines line for line. It wasn't just having to uh, present the same ideas. They got freedom. They got to be able to kind of put their own spin on it. Bill Murray got to be bill murray as baloo you know you you got some of that in the jungle book and i think that's why it's a vastly superior remake when comparing to something like this but back to the lion king i think that this is the problem sometimes this is the this was the fear that i think a lot of people had when disney said that they're going to start doing these remakes is that this is the trap that you can run into where when you have a classic like the lion king which let's not beat around the bush here the lion king is an all-time disney animated classic in a lot of people's minds it, it is the greatest Disney animated cartoon movie as far as Disney animated. Now, Pixar, you throw Pixar in there, we might be having a different argument. But as far as the Disney animated movies, in a lot of people's mind, it's Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, and everything else. That That is normally how it goes when you talk to most people. Like, it's one of those two, and then it's everything else. You know, n- nothing compares to those two. That That's the best it ever got. And then, you know, people have personal favorites and stuff like that. But normally, on everybody's list, in that top five, Lion King is in there somewhere. So, I said all that to say that this is... By far, the 1994 film is just un, is unquestionably a classic. So I think the problem going into this movie and the problem that John Favreau faced as the director is how much of this can I change? How should I change any of it? How much of this should we let? the actors have freedom and things like that? Or do we just need to deliver the lines the way they were in the classic? And I think that that's what happened to this film is it got caught between trying to give you a carbon copy of the classic, but yet because this is supposed to be more real and real animals and things like that, it also got caught in trying to make it more real. And so what you wind up doing is, is that either you're, it's, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. You're, you're either copying the original too much and nothing about it feels authentic, 
which is 80% of the film, or you're changing things to try to make it more realistic, trying to update it to modern times, and not all of those changes worked, I, I feel. Uh, the, the, the first thing that I'll, I'll really, really say about it is that, first of all, uh, like we all said, we all said that we love the graphics of this. We all said that we loved how real it looked. But the fundamental problem sometimes with taking something that you animated and then trying to turn that into real life people, real life animals, et cetera, et cetera, is that sometimes emotion is lost in that. Sometimes feelings are lost in that because what you can do with the character's animated expressions in a cartoon, you can make a, you can make a cartoon lion smile like a human being. You can make a cartoon lion cry like it's a human being. You can make a cartoon lion do all of these things that are, are emotional and you can make Scar look a certain way and look more menacing. And when Mufasa steps up to him, you can have Scar kind of dart away and kind of look cowardly and stuff like that. You can't really do that with real lions all the time. So you can't really do some of those facials and some of those expressions. So what essentially what you wind up having is you have what looks on the screen like a real lion. And then you have his mouth moving um, because they're talking, which none of that was bad. But then you have the voice actor trying to convey these emotions. And for me, I don't know how you guys felt. I'd be interested to hear what you guys thought. But to me, there were definitely times where what the voice actor was saying or trying to emote with his voice, the lion just couldn't match what the voice actor was saying or what the voice actor was trying to convey because a lion can't do those gestures. A lion can't make those human faces because this is not an animated cartoon. So the lion looks real standing there and the mouth is moving, but those emotions are not being um, reciprocated. I'm not feeling those things from what I'm seeing. I'm hearing it, but I am not seeing it portrayed by this lion on screen. And I think that this was a fundamental problem that happens throughout the film. Uh, Mufasa's death and Simba's reaction to it is one that definitely stands out. The voice actor was really trying and he was sad and he was like, dad, dad, wake up, dad. But in the original cartoon, man, uh, I mean, just watch that scene again in the original cartoon. And Simba is crying and he looks so worried and his eyes have this droopy look and he's really just so worried about his father. But in this, it's a lion cub. So he couldn't have the droopy eyes or the crying or any of that stuff. It's just basically kind of a voice actor going, dad, dad, wake up, wake up. And you're just relying on everything you're doing with the animation of the lion and this kind of and sometimes that lion would that cub would just have kind of this stoic face. But the voice actor is conveying it like he's crying and he's sad and he's upset about his father. And I don't think that all of those scenes landed for me because of that. 
This also affected the musical numbers because in the musical numbers, sometimes the realism affected that too. Like, like they, like, I just can't wait to be king is another good example of that. Yes, there were animals doing things and stuff like that, but in the cartoon, man, that was such a vibrant scene and monkeys were throwing them around everywhere and they formed this huge pyramid and all they're doing all this crazy human stuff which they could kind of get away with because it's an animated it's animated so we're suspending our disbelief well i'm sure that the the writers and john favreau and everybody was like well we can't have them making a pyramid and spinning around and monkeys throwing them so we got to do something that looks more realistic but because it was more realistic it felt it, it felt more bland man it didn't feel as vibrant it didn't feel as exciting and when the and when the animals are singing and stuff like that they're not doing any human things that they can do in the cartoon so it just didn't come off the same I'm sitting there, I'm hearing the music, I'm kind of rocking my head, like, and I know the lyrics. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, I can't wait to be king. But it just didn't, I didn't get any feelings or it just didn't emote what it should. It didn't feel the way it should. Because at the end of the day, these are real, these are real looking lions and they're trying to be so lifelike that you missed kind of that magic that is in the original film. And so that was just the the biggest thing that stood out to me was just things like that. And I also just alluded to changes and things like that. And sometimes there were good changes and some changes were questionable to me. Rafigi the monkey was one that definitely stood out because the first half of the movie, and this was just mind boggling to me still, the, the first half of the movie, they showed this monkey and he's doesn't have his staff. So I noticed right away he, he's not carrying his staff. And I was like, OK, well, I guess they thought better of that because it is a monkey. You know, would he be carrying a staff around like an old man and stuff like that? Again, one of these things where the cartoon can kind of act more human like because it's a cartoon. But then they were like, eh, well, we don't know if the monkey should be carrying the stick around. So he doesn't have this stick. For like the first 70% of the movie, he doesn't have it. And I'm like, man, you know, but by that time, I was I was kind of upset. I was like, oh, man, he doesn't have his stick, his staff or whatever. But I kind of got, but I had gotten over it. Then at the end of the movie, he he opens this box and his staff is there. And he's like, old friend, I'm going to need you. And I was like, what? <laughs> you mean to tell me he had it the whole time and you're going to introduce it? <laughs> at the end of the film, why didn't he just have it the whole time? What was the point of changing it for 80% of the movie and then having him open up something and it just be there? So that just upset me, man. I don't know how anybody else, but my friend and I just threw our hands up like, what the hell? He had it the whole time? Then what was the point? Why didn't he have it for any of the other part of the movie? So that was just one of those things where it was a change, but that wasn't even a necessary change because then you gave him the staff later in the movie. Uh, you, you know, so, so that was just mind boggling to me. Another thing that really stood out to me, and it also kind of involves Rafigi the monkey. In the original cartoon, 
when Simba is in the land with Pumbaa and Timon and stuff like that, he kind of brushes up against some leaves and the the leaves blow because he was laying on them. The leaves blow or whatever. Rafigi catches them. He smells them and he recognizes that that's Simba's smell. And that's how he recognizes, OK, this is Simba. And he's like, oh, man, Simba's alive. And he sets out on the journey to go find Simba. Um, so I get that maybe in the, the this newer version they were like okay well 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 that's i don't know what he sniff leaves and know where he is so how about he finds some hair instead and instead of just having the hair blow and him catch the hair in the midst of the lead in the wind or whatever you know which a scene that could have been seconds why did we spend what felt like two minutes watching this <laughs> hair travel through bugs, through this, through that. And I mean, that scene lasted so long. The hair travel got more attention and things like that than characters that could have used that time. You know, the hyenas that could have used that time, like Sterling was saying, the two hyenas. And we're missing Ed, but, you know, Ed was kind of laughing. And I don't know, maybe they thought, you know, special Ed people. So maybe that's why Ed wasn't there. But still, you devote two to three minutes to this hair traveling to Rafiki the monkey. But but <laughs> instead, you know. But 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 characters that could have used that time, characters that could have been, you know, that, that, that could have used those minutes didn't get them because we had to watch hair travel and a bunch of bugs and all this other stuff that didn't even matter. I mean, that scene was seconds in the original 1994 Lion King. So what was the importance of that? I just, that another mind boggling decision that they made in this movie. Um, uh, uh, the, the, I mean, th those are the, just the two biggest standout things, but, and then, oh yeah. And then Beyonce. You know, I'm a fan of Beyonce, too. I love what she stands for. I love what she's about. I mean, I love all the girl power that she represents. She's a very empowering person. She's uh, I mean, she's she's lovely. I watched Um, I mean, I'm and, and I like her, her, her songs. I mean, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of hers. I like Beyonce. But my God, man, does she feel shoehorned in this thing? Kind of like Sterling was saying. And, and that scene where Simba is running back to Pride Rock after he's got his determination, he heard from his dad, which we didn't get no shadowy figure of Simba or anything. It was just clouds that I wasn't too happy about that either. But um, after all of that, he gets his determination. He's like, I'm on the way back to Pride Rock. And as he's running, there's this song that Beyonce is singing called The Soul or My Soul or something like that. And it, the the, oh yeah, The Spirit. And it, okay, like yeah, yeah, maybe it was The Spirit. And it totally did not go with what was happening. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, Beyonce, I love you. But my goodness, man, that song did not belong there. And it just felt so shoehorned. It just felt so, I mean, I was, and I was even trying to listen to the lyrics and nothing matched what 
Simba was going to do. I just didn't see how any of that had anything to do with what Simba was doing. Even if she had just come up with an, they had come up with an original song for her to sing about him growing up and I'm determined and I'm going to go and be the king or something. That might have been even better than what that was because that just felt totally out of place and in the 1994 when it was this very encouraging african jungle beating music and he was running and galloping through the savannah and it was very like e emotionally resonant and it was powerful and it was like oh man simba's going back with this determination but this movie man that that beyonce song that just did not land for me at all. And then the last thing I'll say is my favorite song in the Lion King original is Be Prepared. And I just hated that we did not get Be Prepared in this film. Instead, we got some sort of conversation, half singing, half kind of Be Prepared gimmick that they did. And I just hated it. I just hated it, man. And if it had something to do with Edgifer's ability to sing, or maybe they were they they thought that the original was a bit Nazi-ish with them walking and Scar kind of looking like Hitler and stuff like that. There was some imagery in that that I could understand. Maybe you need to change it. But there were a hundred things you could have done to still have that song. You could have still had the hyenas in there and they could have still sang Be Prepared, man. That's one of the best songs in the movie. And it was a great kind of, it really puts into perspective Scar and how menacing he is and this plot that he has and how he's manipulating these hyenas into um, build, you know, manipulating them into going along with this plan and making a bunch of empty promises and stuff like that. It's a great song that, that is the summation of our villains in this film. And that missing, and, and, and for that to be missing, but then what you replaced it with hair traveling is just uh, to me just such a mind-blowing decision and, and that's ultimately where i landed with this in a lot of ways this this is not a garbage movie it, it, it is it is in a lot of ways it is just a carbon copy of the original but the things that made the original great, the things that really made the original emotionally resonant, the things that make the original a classic were lost in the, a lot of things were elements were lost in this film because of the hyper-realism and changing things and mind-boggling changes that ultimately just didn't add up for me. Um, Real quick, just to address something you said, uh, Chibotel, uh Edgy of War, he can sing. Um, I've seen it in a movie. Oh, cool. Um, called Melinda Melinda. He plays a musician in that. He does sing. Yeah, he is good. You know, he can sing. Okay, so maybe that wasn't it. And that's why I said, I don't know if it was that or just the... They thought maybe they were intimidated by the imagery of the original, but either way, you could have got around some of that stuff, though. Well, when they made Be Prepared a speech in this movie, they could have just done the song with the imagery that they presented in the speech. Yeah. Yeah. You know, get rid of the, the, the Nazi-esque imagery of the goose stepping and the, you know, and all that other stuff, or even like the the geysers of noxious gas that were erupting and all this other stuff in the cartoon and just do it as him, you know, galvanizing the hyenas in the, in the shadow land, like the, he did with the speech. Yeah. 
you know, because and then he he finally sings the last "Be Prepared" um in that moment, it's, and that was him. He can sing. I mean, or just do like you they've done before in other Disney movies, you know, where they have different actors sing for the people. Yeah, in those cases, yeah. that wouldn't be the first fucking time Disney's done that. Right. You know. It's still very much something they could have done in this, and they just didn't. Um, and I've got a ton of more things to address uh, based on some of the stuff Justin said, but I don't want to necessarily steal something from Heather first. So, Heather, what did you not like about this movie? Yeah, so I do want to just kind of a little bit tag off of the whole Be Prepared song version they did in this one. I do agree. It's definitely not the same in any sort of way. But personally, I didn't mind it as much as some of the other things in the movie, just because like, um, you know, th- this version of Scar wasn't as menacing. He was, you know, he wasn't the same Scar that he was in the cartoon movie, the original movie. So this version of that song fit with this version of Scar. So it didn't bother me as much as it probably might have you guys. But I do agree. I mean, it definitely wasn't nearly what it was and they should have not made that change in general with that song but this version of it fit okay with this version of scar if they had done this version of it with the scar from the original it would have been a very different thing so i don't know i just wanted to say that about it real quick but um so my my main problem with this it's very similar to a lot of like what you guys were saying about this movie about it being a carbon copy and you know just that kind of thing um not none of the conversations between any of the characters um except for Timon and Pumbaa because we did talk about how you know they they kind of they were a little bit different than the other characters but none of it felt like genuine or natural conversation it felt like it was just going through the motions and having of ha- of having this dialogue just because you know that that particular dialogue is the next thing happening. You you really do feel like this is just a bunch of people that were in a studio recording the voices and they just kind of put them right next to each other. You know, like it felt more of this was just said. And so now this is the next line. So it did feel like they were, they were just reading from a script. They didn't, they didn't leave room for any suspense or any buildup because lines were said and in moments where it should have been more of a, you know, give a brief pause or, Oh, this should have been a more shocking moment or a more, revelation type moment they didn't give you a chance to have that because they just go right into the next line is what it felt like for me um so it just very much went through the motions honestly is my biggest problem with this and i get that obviously some things might seem like that because it is voice actors and they're not reacting off of what they're seeing in front of them so there's bound to be some of that which i do understand but this one just felt like it had way more of it None of the dialogue was a reaction to what was happening, and it was just words being said. So that really bothered me, mostly, with this. Um, Another thing, similar to um, Justin talking about the whole thing with Rafiki and his his staff and all of that stuff, another thing that really kind of bummed me out is that they took out a big, huge part of his role in the movie. Like, one of my favorite things about the original... One of my favorite scenes is when he's talking to Simba and he's teaching him about how to not run from the past. That whole conversation about, you know, the past can hurt, but you can either run from it or learn from it. That whole thing in that first movie, they took that whole part out of it, which is, I feel like, such an important part of the movie and such a big lesson in the movie. And I and they just didn't even have it. So I was really definitely disappointed in that. And it also made Rafiki's character almost a non-factor in the film with how little he was in it. 
I mean, he did obviously have big moments and everything, but that was, I mean, who's supposed to be the wisdom character, you know, the wise character. So it just was disappointing that they took that whole scene out of it because that I love that scene. That's one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. So that for me was a huge disappointment that that wasn't Oh my in there. God, you were so right. I'm so glad that you remembered that because I forgot to say that. And yes, you are absolutely a hundred percent right about that like that right. was one of the best things about the original was that whole right. thing he hit him with the stick and he was like ow the past hurts and he was like well the past can hurts but you can either run from it or learn from it then he swings it again and simba ducks and he goes ah you know right. that was just such a quick and that's what a minute a minute and a half right. two minutes but instead, I'm watching hair travel to this man instead of giving me that scene. Like, really? OK, but this is your top. But I just yeah. have to throw that in there. You know? No, that's totally fine, because it genuinely is like I, I feel like it's one of the most important scenes of the movie. And I love watching that scene. It's funny and it's wise and it's all these things that that should have been. And it just was not even in this film. They didn't even try to recreate it or redo it or they didn't even try. They just yeah. went straight into, I know who you are. You're Mufasa's son. Come to me and I'll show you. That's literally how that went down. And I was very disappointed in that. That probably might be my biggest disappointment behind the fact that it just felt very like they're reading from a script and they are not reacting. Because, I mean, there are a lot of other movies where it's voice actors and they're just, um, I mean, like Toy Story 4, for example. You don't feel like they're just reading lines and they're just placing the, the voices of what's being said right after the other. You feel like they're actually in front of each other and they're having a conversation reacting from what's happening. With this, you just do not feel that. Those are my yeah. two main problems with this film, um, apart from what you guys have already mentioned with it. So that's, I mean, that's that's really the two. Uh, it was very lacking in a lot of ways. And even the songs, while the singing was better because of who's singing the songs, you're right. It, it didn't feel as like, oh, I want to sing along with this. Or it, it didn't feel as energetic or didn't have that same energy that it did in any of the songs. Um, from the first one, except for Simone and Pumbaa doing In the Jungle. That was the only one that felt very similar to how they did it in the original uh, with how fun it was. But the other songs, even the love song, it didn't feel like <laughs> you, you don't feel anything with that. You don't feel like there's anything behind it, really, because they're trying to build these emotions from these songs off of quick short little dialogue that doesn't even give you time. It doesn't even give time to react to what is actually happening. So it was very disappointing in that way. So those are my big ones. Kind of to, you know, keep going what you guys have said with some of this. I guess one of the biggest and weirdest things with this movie is that it feels like an exact copy of the first one. But at the same time, when when they made changes, they were so wildly inconsistent with how they made changes. Like, you know, they're they're happy to give Timon and Pumbaa like this free reign. But then like, you know, like you guys said, like Rafiki's pretty much non-existent in this movie. And when he is there, they just make the weird changes like Justin said with the walking stick. You know, that's gone for 99.9% .9 of him being in this movie. And then just he pulls it out of a fucking hole in a tree. You know, it's and then, you know, the whole thing with the dung beetle pushing the, you know, the little ball of shit around to get the hair to Rafiki. Like, that's such a weird change to make. 
but you know and 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 like we said like you know timon and pumbaa they changed a lot and it's for the better in shinzi they changed a lot but it's for the better but then they made just these weird decisions for all these other characters like who looks at rafiki and says we need less of him in this movie right yeah he's one like, of the best parts it's such a yeah it's such, it's just such a weird weird choice and that's what was so all over the place with this you know and 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 to go along and to kind of expand upon what Heather was saying for me, like, and in what Justin was saying, that because of how, like, lifeless the characters ended up being for most of the movie, by showing no emotion, no matter what the character voices were doing and all this other stuff, it truly does make every song in this movie fall on the flatter side of things in such a weird way. Like, because I don't know how, I really don't know what Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner did that brought so much life to those characters mm -hmm. because their versions of it felt effortless. But you have what JD McCurry or whoever played the young Simba, who was, you know, emoting his lines the best that he could. And they could not get Simba, the character, to emote for a fucking right. second. Like, why did he feel like an animatronic robot? But they were able to make Timon and Pumbaa feel full of life mm -hmm. yeah like and they shouldn't have because i mean fuck pumba looks grotesque compared to his cartoon version because <laughs> he looks like a legitimate warthog with the weird scraggly hair and the you know the the dirty tusks and the you know the weird oblong face and yet he's just full of life and emotion and nothing against seth rogan but i've never thought oh emotional depth in an actor oh we need seth rogan for this part <laughs> but i mean fuck he was able to pull it off with just his voice in this right and i don't feel like he was doing a better job than any of the other vocal performers in this movie but as far as just doing it with his voice it's just somehow they were able to make it feel like soulful whenever him and, and billy eichner did their stuff and yeah. i just don't know how that happened like how do you end up so wildly inconsistent with these things you know and I think that's honestly, at least for me, I think that's why I really liked um, Scar in this. I honestly feel like to the best of his ability, he was just acting with his voice, at least like you feel like he had emotion in what he was saying more than a lot of the other characters, minus Timon and Pumbaa, but the other, like you just feel like he had emotion in what he was saying and you feel like he was at least trying to react to something that was happening as opposed to, unfortunately, you know, Donald Glover and Beyonce, who you just feel like were reading lines. And I love both of them too. And so it's no knock on them and their abilities and their talent. But in this particular thing, it's like, why did they feel very like robotic in what they were saying and some of them, like Simone and Pumbaa and Scar, feel like they're just giving it their all and you believe them more, you know? So, yeah, I agree. It's inconsistent. It's like, what is that, you know? All right. I developed a theory while you were talking just now, and I want to see what you guys think about it. Maybe the reason why, like, Scar and Timon and Pumbaa felt better or more, you know, lifelike or animated or however you want to word it than the other characters is because essentially they had no emotion to them their characters more or less had one mood and mm -hmm. that's it yeah like timon and pumbaa are always silly and happy and scar was always brooding and depressed or whatever he was <laughs> or angry yeah i see what you're saying and then the others have to do several different emotions exactly the other the other animals have to do different emotions so when you don't visually see these emotions it then ends up falling flat like it takes away from them 
But whenever you're able to tonally be just the same throughout it, it just works better. Interesting. Since the animals are more or less showing one expression anyway. That's an interesting point. I mean, and, yeah. you might, and, that, and you, there may be some validity to that because, yeah, like you said, because it's true that the w- whether you're talking about Simba or Nala, or all of those characters do have to go through transitions and changes and they mature and they kind of become in their own as the story progresses. And how exactly do you show that? with these lifelike lions and stuff like that. So, yeah, I could see that definitely being a a challenge. And maybe they thought it was good enough. Maybe they thought with some of the mannerisms they had and stuff like that, that it was enough. But honestly, it just didn't feel like it was. And this is kind of, I guess, the caveat of taking some of these reboots and are taking some of these animated originals and rebooting them with live action or at least live action looking special effects is i think this is kind of the caveat this is the trap you can essentially run into yeah because i mean like totally speaking you know if you know timon and pumbaa and scar have the same emotional spectrum the entire movie you just automatically assume like associate those emotions with that character the entire time so the normal facial expressions you just automatically then associate with that one emotional profile and so that would kind of work in this like this really makes me worried about the the new little mermaid because you've already got such drastic outrage for it and if they turn in something like this with that you're gonna get people feeling justified in their outrage when it's not wouldn't necessarily be that actress's fault for you know it not living up to it it'd probably be you know the same pitfalls this one fell into so i really hope that they figure out and like and they let her they let that actress make that role her own i really hope they let her go for broke on that role so that way you know you can just say fuck off to anybody that doubts your casting with it like apparently the the actor that's uh in talks for king triton is javier bardem and which would be insane and if they don't let him be javier bardem though like what's the point because i don't feel like they let beyonce be beyonce i don't feel like they let donald glover be donald glover so if you're going to do the same things to them in this new movie what's the fucking point if you're just going to shove them into whatever predetermined thing you have you're just doing your movie a, a drastic disservice and i wanted to touch on something too when you know justin you brought up the fact that like you know oh they were basing them off live out like lions and stuff like that and live animals and you know maybe that's why they couldn't get the emotion across and everything like that i've had cats my entire life i've got four with me right now if a cat wants to emote that motherfucker emote <laughs> Like, cats have facial expressions. I don't know why these lions didn't. They very much can do that. Because, I mean, look at, like, Puss in Boots from Shrek. Doing that whole, like, big-eyed, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm a sad cat yeah. face. What if my cats does that to me if I don't pet her enough? <laughs> she gets all big-eyed, puts her, like, ears back a little bit, and just stares at me. And it's the most pitiful-looking thing in the world. And you're telling me they couldn't do that with Simba's face when his dad died? Right. Yeah. My cat emotes more than that fucking lion did. <laughs> like, that's the thing is the these animals can't emote like that, you know? Like, how many times do you see, like, a stupid video of a fucking dog smiling, you know? <laughs> or, like, a fucking cat smiling. I've seen fucking videos of lions smiling, and you're telling me you couldn't fucking get that across in this movie? With as beautiful as it looked, you're telling me you can't mimic shit I've seen on YouTube or in a GIF? <laughs> 
Which, to that point, I wonder if maybe like with that whole scene, Jason, that you were talking about with um, the like the hair traveling for 500 years, maybe it's because they knew the best part of their movie was just how beautiful it looked. <laughs> so they wanted to show more of that. I don't know. Yeah, but do you really need to see a beautiful ball of shit being pushed by a beetle? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Not, like, definitely do not need that. <laughs> but to have this point, you're telling me they could do a montage of hair blowing in the wind. They could have done it with hair. They still could have done it with hair and just had it blowing in the wind and going through all these different sceneries and across the desert and just kind of focused on the hair Agreed. floating in the wind. Yeah. And like, you know, changing light, day, night, day. And then all of a sudden it kind of just ends up next to Rafiki. They couldn't have done it that way. Combine the two, still done it with hair, but then have it like blowing in the wind and shit. Agreed. I agree. Which might have been even cooler. But to Heather's point, I really think that's what that was, though. It was just kind of them kind of stroking their own ego a little bit. I think it was about that. It was about, look at these graphics. Let's show a beetle doing this and let's show some more animals. Let's show some more animals. They look real. You know, I think it was it was kind of trying to National Geographic, but the scene just didn't land whatsoever. You know, I really think it was a show off scene, but it just I just it was just so dumb, though. And I was just like, what the hell was that? Like, I kept waiting for it to end and it continued. Like, I was just so upset about that. Like, and then when you watch the whole scene with I just can't wait to be king. And it's like you said oh, we're going to have every animal that has ever lived in Africa ever be in this scene. (laughs) And they're going through it. And it's, I mean, they are really, it's just like, look, A for aardvark, you know, (laughs) B for beetle, (laughs) C for cheetah. Like, they are just going through the alphabet of fucking animals in that scene. But at the same time, because now granted, the animated version is just bonkers. You know, there's animals standing on top of each other. It's this bright, vibrant, crazy-ass, unrealistic-ass scene in the original. Yeah, which translates better. Yeah. But somehow, since they were just more concerned with how many animals we can shove into this, they got rid of all the fucking fun of that song. Right. Like, I was worried when we watched Aladdin that the whole... um prince ali song like they weren't going to be able to match the vibrancy of the cartoon in that and i'll give guy richie credit that was a bright vibrant colorful full of life song in that movie he did a great job of transitioning the insanity of the animation into live action and this one especially that song was just the exact fucking opposite they could just not figure out a way to tonally portray that to be a fun lifelike song at all yeah you know we were talking about how they could not visually match be prepared in this movie but if they had just altered it to fit the scene they had already filmed and just done it with music instead of him doing a speech it still probably could have worked. He could have just been jumping around on the cliffs and the hyenas could have just been kind of, you know, becoming more enthralled in his message and, you know, just kind of like following him around and, you know, really just kind of seeing him like do that call to arms still without having the crazy animated imagery. You still could have totally got that. But no, they just completely missed every fucking mark in the in in i just can't wait to be king it was just so i don't this is gonna sound it was so educational (laughs) 
Like it, it felt like a scene from the Discovery Channel, not a musical or animated movie. Yeah. It felt like I was watching Animals of Africa yep. Week on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> You know, um, and a stark contrast to that, and and I keep we keep for some reason going back to Puma and Timon and talking about successful scenes, but a stark contrast to that was when Simba got to them and all those other animals that they had involved with Pumbaa and Timon, the other animal friends that were there that really didn't have speaking parts or anything, but I get, but it just made sense that there would be other animals living in that paradise or whatever with Pumbaa and Timon. But even those animals seemed more lifelike and they accompanied the scenes better than anything in that song, in that can't wait to be king. Even there, everything seemed more lifelike that with the other animals there, they didn't feel like they were just there, just taking up space or anything like that. They complimented everything Pumbaa and Timon and Simba were doing during those scenes. But it was just like a different person altogether did the stuff for I Can't Wait to Be King and some of the other songs. It was just like, I don't know what happened. It was like the guy was half asleep doing some of the movie and then he woke up when it was time for Pumbaa and Timon. I don't know. (laughs) But even that seemed different. The animals there seemed different. I feel like they animated all the scenes with Pumbaa and Timon at the very when they first started. They animated those scenes. And then the rest of the movie is after they'd been working on this shit for like a year and they were fucking tired of it and they just wanted to get it done. <laughs> right. Because that's how it feels. Like like you were saying, those animals, you know, they fit, you know, they they had personality and they just had little throwaway lines like, oh, it's a lion. I hope he doesn't eat me. Is that line necessary? No, not at all. But it, it felt like it had more life than 99.9% of the other lines in this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was Chance the Rapper that said that line. Because Chance the Rapper is one of those those uh, animals in that really? paradise. Yeah. Huh. He plays he plays the bush baby in that scene. Yeah, he's got like one line in the entire movie. <laughs> you know, but yeah, like, but that's it. Like, it's a bunch of animals going, oh, don't eat me, lion. Or, oh, bugs are delicious. And, oh, they felt like people. <laughs> Yet, you know, you've got Donald Glover and Beyonce singing a love song to each other. And it just... Didn't land. I mean, I had more love for my bucket of popcorn than I felt in that <laughs> old fucking scene. Yeah, and also... I mean, which is slightly not fair. I really love movie theater popcorn, so <laughs> I kind of get that. But it should have at least been close. And also with the uh, um, the Hakuna Matata song, like, I love the part when, like, in the original... When, you know, they're walking on the log and they're going from Simba being young to being older. And then it breaks into you hear him sing as adult Simba for the first time. I remember in the original, it's so it's so good. Like, it's a part that for me, at least I was like, oh, here it comes. He's about to sing as an adult, you know, and he comes out from behind the trees and he just like belts it out or whatever. And in this, they did the same thing. But you just don't feel that same effect of like, oh, he just really just saying that part like yay he came in you know guns blazing as adult simba you just don't feel like that happened in this and that's a bummer because it's not like it was bad singing it just was lifeless really so well i think it's because in this movie donald glover ends up being more um what am i trying to say he ends up being more his character from atlanta 
he he sounds more like he's being earnest the character earnest in this movie when you really want him to be troy from community that's what you want <laughs> you want troy from community in this movie but you got Ernest from Atlanta. Both of them are great roles that he's done, but on the spectrum of character, they're two different ones, you know? Yeah. Because you wanted him to have energy and just like this zest to him that you just didn't quite get, you know? And and like you said, like whenever he becomes adult, you know, Simba, and I believe it's Matthew Broderick. It is Matthew Broderick the voices him. I don't know if it's Matthew Broderick singing yeah. in that part. It might be, but it very much feels like the climax of the song. You know, right. you get this build up when they're just kind of doing the Hakuna Matata chant when they're walking across the log and you just feel this crescendo and this build to that moment. And this one just kind of seemed like it just went along till it got to the moment. Yep, exactly. I mean, and part of it could be because you were like, maybe it was because we're, when you're sitting there watching it, you're expecting the same build. True. So maybe you're maybe you're amplifying it within yourself. And so it just you know, doesn't reach the bar that you artificially, you know, made for it. Or it could just be the fact that it fell flat because that's exactly what it did. So, I mean, who knows? Yeah. But I mean, once again, though, this is this is one of those movies kind of like Aladdin um, and kind of like a few other movies. Fans seem to like this more than critics do. Critics were not fans of this movie, but fan reception tends to be higher on it. On IMDb, it's at least got 7.2 out of 10. Wow. So it puts it like a good almost 20 points higher than the, the critics, Oh yeah. at least on, on, on IMDb. Wow. I don't know what it would be on Rotten Tomato. So that's comparing Metacritics to the fan score on IMDb. Rotten Tomato. Is a 20 point difference? Rotten Tomato is 52% from critics and uh, 89% for audience. Wow. Fuck, that's almost a 40 point difference then. Yeah. You know? I mean, as far as it strictly being a movie goes, I would I would agree with you, Justin. It's not a bad movie. It's not garbage, but it did not justify itself being remade. I'll say that much. I think the Jungle Book did a good job of justifying itself being remade. Um, I'll even say the Cinderella, the live action yeah. Cinderella we got yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. I think justified it. I think Beauty and the Beast was borderline because I think when they kept to the story and kept to the music, it was good. When it added some original songs, they were just the stupidest fucking things they could have ever done. And that really yeah. hurt it. Um, I mean, I'll go as far as to say that Aladdin justified itself. Would just Naomi Scott and Will Smith alone justify that movie being remade? Because you at least got new interpretations of char of favorite characters that are very prominent. They're they're almost the entire yeah. movie. Yeah. So you've got an entire movie's worth of reinterpretations of these characters. And with this movie, it really Timon and Pumbaa carried it on its back. And unfortunately, they're not in half of it. Yeah. Yep. So it's it doesn't work as well. And I do think that this movie did not do enough to justify it being made. And I guess for fans, just having a carbon copy was good enough. You, you, you know, I guess for some fans, that was just enough. I mean, I, I've spoken to several people who saw the film and they all said that they liked the film. And the, and the first thing they tell me is, oh, it was just like the cartoon, pretty much. It was pretty much just the cartoon. So I liked it. So I guess for a lot of people, they just 
I guess this is what they essentially wanted. And I mean, I know that it did good. It did solid box office numbers. So maybe for some fans, this was good enough. It, it, it was what they remembered, the, the parts that they remembered. It had the songs that they remember. And that was enough for them. Just don't change hardly anything about it. Just go through the motions and I'll be satisfied with it. And I don't know, man. I, I just it just wasn't enough for me. But I, I guess a, a lot of for a lot of fans, it just was. I mean, since we're pretty much there already, let's go ahead and do recommendations and reviews. I mean, we're practically giving recommendations anyway. So, uh, Heather, uh, recommendation and score. I mean, this movie is very... I'm really, I'm very not, I guess maybe indifferent is the word. I'm not overly excited about this movie in any sort of way. I do not think that watching it is like essential to your life. I don't think it's like a must see in any sort of way. It's sure it's a fun one to take for, you know, if you want to take your young kids or anything like that, go for it. Because I, I remember, you know, as a child, it was one of my favorite, uh, you know, Disney movies is, the Lion King. And I think that, you know, it's good for it's good for kids today to if it's good for them to hear that story and to I just think it's an important film in general. But if you're going to do it, you might as well just let them see the original and it's going to be much better and more enjoyable. Um, I I imagine if I were a kid watching this one, I would be a little bit more bored and not paying as much attention because nothing in it very much is just grabbing you in this movie and making you pay attention to it really. Um, other than just you see, oh, that's a beautiful shot that they're doing of the beautiful scenery. That's literally the only thing in it that kind of draws you in. So I do not think that it's a, a must-see in any sort of way. My, um, I think my score, I'm going to give it 47 elephant graveyard face-off scenes out of 100. Going to be my recommendation. Justin, go. All right. So um, I think that this is going to be kind of one another one of those uh, um, kind of recommendations with conditions. Like, I think that if you're a family and if you're somebody that, you you know, your parents and you grew up with the Lion King and now you want to kind of go and have that experience with your children and stuff like that, more power to you. I saw a lot of families in the theater and, I, and I'm sure that there would be something fun about experiencing or seeing the the looks on your kids' faces, seeing how they react to something like that, and then it, it and then you know the the graphics of it, the look of it does give it a sense of being fresh because you're like, man, it looks completely realistic and stuff like that. So graphically. It, you, you know, it, it on the surface, it feels like you're getting different things. But then when you get in there, it's pretty much the movie that for the most part that you remember and some lines even carbon copied as we spoke about. So I think that if you're a family, I think that this is definitely one that they will want to check out and enjoy. Uh, but, but, but I think that for diehard fans, man, maybe even not even diehards, just people who thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the 
original 1994 one and you're somebody who likes to make comparisons and you're somebody who really wants the the quality reboot I, I just found this to be very disappointed and I don't know if this is anything you need to absolutely go to the theater and see this is something where you could rent this you can wait till this comes out on DVD or whatever and watch it then and even then I would say rented I don't know if if this is one that you want to buy when the option of buying the 1994 one is out there, why have this one? It, I don't even think it even makes a good compliment to the original. I just think it's very beneath it that I couldn't even see myself owning both of these. I would just get the one that is vastly superior. So, so I couldn't recommend it to everyone, but maybe just to a certain sect of people and kids they don't care. They'll watch this and they'll probably enjoy this. And this will remind them a little bit of National Geographic type stuff. And they'll roll with this and they'll enjoy this for the most part. And maybe that's where the, the high fan score is uh, probably coming from. Uh, but for me, I'm going to go with we'll go with 57 uh, hair follicles from Simba being rolled <laughs> into shit by a beetle out of 100. I just, I mean, I'll go near positive because like I said, this is not a garbage movie. There are some things about this that I really like. There were some things like we talked about, Pumbaa and Timon, that were improvements, actually improvements over the original. But overall, this to me just lacked the heart and the emotion and the and a lot of the ingredients that made the original a classic i too have conditions on watching this movie and that is don't watch it in the theaters it's not worth it it's not it don't watch it on dvd or blu-ray or itunes don't buy it um just wait for it to be on hbo or disney plus or something like that and then watch it because if you really want to watch Lion King, just like Jason said, just, uh, just watch the 1994 animated version. If you if you need a Lion King fix, just watch that. It's better in almost every conceivable way. So just watch that. You'll be better for it. It's this one does not justify itself, and it's not worth it. If you really just have to watch this movie, um, just watch the Timon and Pumbaa scenes on like YouTube. Just go find those instead. Just watch that, and that's all you need. You really don't need to see the rest of this movie. It just does not justify itself. Um, I mean, it, th this movie is an achievement in special effects and animation. It really is. But at the end of the day, ultimately, that's all it is. You know, it just it wasted too much for it to be considered a good movie or even an okay movie. It, it really just wastes too much. Um, you know, if you want to hear the songs, then just go buy the soundtrack. It's still, you, you don't have to watch this movie for anything that it wants you to watch it for. And ultimately, it just isn't, it really just is not worth the trouble to go watch this in a movie theater. Solely as a movie, I would give this um, 40. I would like to see a spinoff movie of Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner as Timon and Pumbaa just themselves out of 100. When I do take into account the huge problematic movie does amplify, I give this movie negative 50. Fuck this movie's out of 100. Oh, my. 
because it's truly upsetting for me whenever I really think about that because it really does take all the problems thematically I had with the animated one and it takes them to a whole new level of bullshit in this movie and I cannot and will not forgive it for doing so. Any other thoughts, guys? Nope, I'm good. Nope. All right, guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check out the brand new revamped and super awesome cinemaslayers.com. Uh, I'm adding stuff and it might be small stuff, but I'm adding stuff to it every day. Um, there will be a blog section coming your way that will have um, some more written content like the old site used to have. It'll just be in a new form on it. Um, Check us out on Facebook as the Cinema Slayers podcast, Twitter and Instagram at cinema underscore slayers. Uh, we do have a Snapchat that I will be, I've, I've taken some Snapchat lessons from some people. So we will be starting to do that. I was about to start doing that tonight before we were recorded. And then I realized I haven't put the Snapchat out there. So there would be no point because no, then nobody would see it. So I didn't, but it will be coming probably the next time we're recording stuff like that. So keep an eye out for that. Um, we've got a lot of fun episodes coming your way. Uh, you know, next week will be the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood one. And uh, check us out on all the social media because we will be putting up things to like let you know what episodes are coming up so then that way you won't think we missed something or if we are going to miss something that you think we should do or something like that email us at cinemaslayerspodcast at gmail.com or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any of those you know social media platforms and let us know that hey I think you guys are going to miss this and I think it'd be great if you guys did it so like let us know um we're always going to be constantly adding you know different types of episodes and things like that so we will keep you guys posted on that cuz you know we definitely like the fan feedback uh, you know from the cine fans out there with that stuff so we definitely like to hear from you guys for all that and you know definitely keep an eye out for any bonus content and stuff like that because we are going to change the way we slightly do that and it won't you know be exclusive to certain things but it will definitely be uh, premiered on certain platforms and then moved over to the main feed you know after a certain amount of time and stuff like that so we will definitely keep posted on that and other than that guys according to justin moon knight is the best picture winner i actually thought you were going to do a lion king thing like a beginning of the circle of life or something to it yeah right no it wasn't worth it. <laughs> you're absolutely right this movie was not worth it